We're just about finished with uh, the book of Ephesians uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at the, the fourth uh, household code. Uh, we've looked at wives. We've looked at uh, responsibility as, as husbands. We've looked at the responsibility that we have as parents. And now this morning we're going to be looking um, at slaves, but uh, as it applies to us today, it's really the employee-employer relationship. And um, next week, as we uh, as we continue in the book of Ephesians, we're going to be looking at spiritual warfare, and we're going to be taking two weeks to do that. And uh, Dr. Mitchell will be uh, preaching on this particular passage for us, and uh, I will look forward to that. But uh, when it comes to household codes, um, the gospel changes everything for us as Christians, and it starts in the home. And the home needs to be the place where we testify of Christ and the difference that he's making in our lives. Now, this morning, we're as, as we've looked at these codes, uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the most difficult one to understand uh, as it deals with the, the slave-master relationship. And, you know, when we think of this idea of slavery, our, our definition or what we think about in our mind is so much uh, formed by slavery bet- uh, before the uh, pre-Civil War era. But uh, that kind of slavery is so far different, so far removed from the slavery that we see in the Old and New Testament. And, uh, and so this morning we want to get into that. But uh, some of the differences that uh, we see in ancient Israel when it comes to slavery is that if you were a slave in a home, you were free to marry. Uh, you had the ability to earn your own income. You could leave home if the master uh, give, gave you permission. You had the opportunity to leave the master's house. Um, a slave relationship uh, would begin and end with a, can, a contractual um, on a contractual basis. Okay, so there would be a document. There was something that you would agree to that it would begin at this time and it would end at a different time. And if there was no contract and you were a slave, um, you could potentially purchase your eventual freedom. But Again, the most alarming thing about slavery in the Old, in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that you were owned, okay? Just like uh, a master would own cattle or a house or furniture, uh, that master would own slaves. But... <clears throat> When we look at the Old Testament law concerning slavery, there were strict regulations concerning slavery. 
you go to Exodus chapter 21, read uh, Exodus chapter 21, you'll learn about um, what those regulations were. And uh, one verse I want to point out is Exodus chapter 1, verse 16. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, 21, verse 61, 16 says, If anyone, anyone who kid- kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. And First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, have some very strong words uh, regarding slavery and the kidnap of others. But, um, but when it came to Jewish law and slavery, uh, Jewish law made slavery far more humane uh, and protective of the slave than any of the other surrounding nations. And had Western nations enforced Jewish law in the 1800s, slavery in the United States would have been very, very different. But here in this culture and in this cult, uh, context, as we look at slavery, um, oftentimes the slave lived with the family. The slave was part of the family, and so part of it f- falling under the household code. So as we look at this idea of slavery, how it applies to today, because we don't have slavery today, particularly in the United States, uh, how are we to apply this passage? And really, it applies in the area of, of work, of an employee-employer relationship. And so that's how we're going to approach this text this morning. But I want you to see um, in verse 6 how the Scripture uh, identifies uh, slaves. Look at verse 6. Well, let's go ahead and read the entire text, okay? Verses 5 through 9 this morning. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do not do masters do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So I want you to see in verse six uh, who were actually slaves to. And this goes for all of us who are followers of Christ. We're not 
slaves to our master, earthly master. We're not slaves to our employer. Paul says that we are slaves of Christ. Verse 6, not by the way of service as as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. That's who you and I belong to. Whether you're a manager or an employee, we are all bondservants. We are all slaves of Christ. That is our identity. That is our relationship to Christ. And so we don't ultimately serve our earthly master or our boss. We serve Jesus Christ. We are to please him. And so what is the imperative? What are we to do as slaves, as employees in particular? Verse 5, bondservants, obey your earthly masters. That's the imperative. We are to obey our boss. Now, if you go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, and uh, there's a lot more that can be, um, that is shared about this relationship in other New Testament books. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. And Titus chapter 9, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. We'll look at some of those this morning. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, when it comes to obedience, we are to obey in everything. Now, that's been somewhat of a challenge, hasn't it, over the last few years? <laughs> Particularly with the, the, the COVID um, that uh, we've all uh, gone through together. And, and your place of employment. Because some places where you work, you were mandated to get the vaccination. And so the question um, for, for us then, am I to obey God in everything when it comes to even the vaccination? And that's a great question. And uh, a lot of people, were, a lot of Christians were applying for a religious exemption and uh, liberty of conscience. And um, you really struggled with whether you were to receive this vaccination or not. And uh, some of you chose not to. And in so doing, your job was in jeopardy. And we've heard all the stories across the country about people who didn't get the vaccination. And they lost. They lost their job. No matter how many years that they had been serving their employer, how many faithful years they had been serving their their employer, um, because they would not submit, uh, they lost their job. But some of you struggled uh, because 
You didn't know what this vaccination was going to do. You didn't know the consequences of this vaccination. Now, uh, everyone say this was safe. You had nothing to fear. But as time has gone by, it has been a very controversial subject as to the consequences of this vaccination. But your conscience wasn't going to allow you to go through with this. And you, in your mind, this would be, you couldn't do this with a clear conscience, with faith. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse um, 23, that those things that you do without faith is sin. But you were, you were being forced to do things that you felt were you were violating your conscience with God. And there was a lot of bullying that was going on. There was a lot of manipulation. There was a lot of coercion over the force of taking this vaccination. You know, we heard the, the, um, the verse often during COVID. If you love your neighbor, <laughs> you'll get vaccinated. The crazy part about this was that people were quoting that, that verse who want to have nothing to do with the Bible, okay? But for you, if you really love God, if you really love your neighbor, you're going to be vaccinated. Well, it was a fun time to be pastor <laughs> during this season of COVID, and people, even in our church, were all over the place uh, with this subject. You know, some, they were in a hurry to get back together, that we needed to worship. And the elders of one, were of one mind. We needed to get back to worship together. But then there were others in our church that were against coming back quickly because the virus, we didn't, could be spreading the virus among one another. But um, it came down to it that uh, as elders of the church, we believed in the liberty of conscience and that God gives each believer the ability to choose for himself what is right and wrong in regard to that ma ma this matter. But, you know, when it came to employees, they were between a hard rock and a hard place. They were sympathetic with their employees, but they were being forced to um, institute this mandate with them. And for those who were living by the liberty of conscience, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of support. I want to take us to Romans chapter 14 for a moment as we think about obeying our employer in everything. And I want to read the first uh, 12 verses. Paul says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not, one, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. 
and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who hears. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to the Lord. And there were people on both sides of the aisle regarding this COVID vaccination. But you know what the Bible says? We're not to pass judgment on one another. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have the liberty of conscience to decide what we believe is God's best for us. And not pass that expectation on to other people. And so there was the liberty of conscience. You know, and it's it's still going on today. You know, just recently, I think I just read over the weekend, that the state of Michigan has passed a law that if you don't address people by their preferred pronoun, you are going to be arrested. It is against the law. Even here in the state of California, I know in the Sierra Sands School District, teachers have had to sign a document saying that they will address their students by their preferred pronoun. Church, as Christians, that goes against our convictions. We're not to lie to one another. In love, we are to speak the truth. And yet we live in a culture that wants us to bend the knee to whatever the culture says is right. And so many teachers are struggling with this liberty of conscience. 
you know, are they to obey their employer or are they to do what's right? But just understand, in doing what's right, there will be consequences. And as God's people, we have to be willing to live with the consequences, even if the consequences are unjust. Do you obey an unjust employer? The Bible says yes. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's read verses 18. First Peter 2. Is this cutting out? All right. I think we need a new battery. Sorry, Levi, you're going to have to scream for this last, note, this last song. Okay. <laughs> Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps." So as hard as it might be to obey an unjust employer, the Bible says you're going to find the grace of God in that very difficult situation. But our responsibility, your responsibility, is to imitate Christ. So when it comes to the employee in the work environment, we need to be obedient. Obedient is obedience is an opportunity for you and I to proclaim the gospel of Christ. That it is Christ who's making the difference in our life. People ought to see you and know that there is a difference between you and the other employees who don't know Christ in that work environment. We have the opportunity to proclaim Christ in the workforce. Now, how are we to obey just and unjust masters? Verse 5. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. We obey with fear, trembling, you know, respect for those who are over us, and with a sincere heart. 
And we do that as if we are serving Christ. Because we are serving Christ in that environment. So no matter what you think of the master, your obedience is important. Because you're doing it as if you are serving Christ. Whether you like your job or not, okay? You are to serve with fear and trembling and a sincere heart, just as you would be serving Christ. How in the world can we be obedient like that in the workforce? It goes back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Before we started talking about the, the, the household codes, um, Paul says we need to be filled with the Spirit. And again, it requires uh, your absolute allegiance to the Holy Spirit in your life. You cannot do this in the flesh, but the Spirit is there to help. Now, again, we're a bondservant. And we're not primarily a bondservant to our earthly master, to our boss. We are a bondservant to Jesus Christ. That is where our loyalty is. And so the truth of the gospel, when we think of this idea of bondservant, is that, you know what? We've been paid for with a great cost. And that was Jesus' own blood. He purchased us. And so we serve him. We serve a higher authority. And so as you think of yourself in the workforce, as that bondservant, Christian, you ought to be the very best employee uh, on that team. Not to bring attention to yourself, not to be a man pleaser, but you ought to be the very best because your life is owned by Jesus and you serve him. And when we have that kind of attitude, when we have that kind of loyalty with him as we're serving him, there's a reward. Verse 8, look at verse 8 knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is a is free. God is going to reward you. You know, oftentimes we think of reward and we think of faithful church attendance and being involved in the life of the, the church, the Christian community, and serving him in that context? Where do we spend most of our time? Outside of home. On the job. And Paul says, there's going to be a great reward for you for how you serve Christ where you work. You're going to hear those words. If you're faithful, you love Jesus, serve him with all your heart. 
When you pass from this life to the next, you're going to hear those words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. My, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful service. Faithful servant, for you, for you have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, your ultimate master. That's our reward. So let me just encourage you. Are you struggling with your job these days? Are you struggling with your boss? Are you doing, being manipulated to do some things that, um, that go against your conscience? If you have every opportunity to obey, obey. But if you have to take a stand, take a stand, but know that there are going to be consequences in that stand. Don't be ugly about it, but give testimony to the fact that you serve someone greater than your earthly employer. Don't do damage to your testimony and to the name of Christ. You stand. But you leave the results to God. So that's our responsibility as employees. Masters, we see their responsibility in verse 9. They get one verse. But you know what? It's not just one verse. Because they have the responsibility to, to live just as the employees live. Okay? They need to, to serve and lead with a sincere heart with fear and trembling as the Lord. As they do, so must employees. And so there is responsibility there. So think carefully as you lead. Okay? Let's look at verse 9 again. Masters, do the same to them. Okay? The same to them? What was that? With fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would to Christ. Going on in verse 9. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with them. You represent Christ in your leadership. So as leaders, we have an opportunity to serve those who are beneath us. Stop threatening. A spirit-filled boss uses his authority and power with justice and grace. This is what we need to be displaying in our lives. We can't show partiality. We need to be just with all who serve us. And we need to be, conduct ourselves with justice and grace. 
because our God is impartial, and so must we. And we both serve the same master. So Paul gives us some things to think about. You have the opportunity to apply this tomorrow morning. (laughs) And if there's some areas of your life that God is touching on, the Holy Spirit is touching on, my friend, make yourself available to God. Be filled with the Spirit. Lord, help me to show Christ among those that I work with. Help me to obey. Even though I might disagree, even though I might not like them, my friend, it's not about them. It's about Him. We are slaves of Christ. And we have been purchased at a very high price. Christ's precious blood. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your words this morning. And uh, very practical. And um, Lord, oftentimes we find ourselves in, in challenging situations that may be trying to compromise our faith. And Lord, if, if there are ones here this morning who find themselves in, in that situation and they want to do the right thing, may they have the mind of Christ to go through that difficulty without having to defend themselves. To settle on the fact that, God, you are sovereign over all the consequences. And even though they might lose in one area, God, they're going to gain in another area. Give them the faith to trust you that you are going to provide for their every need. Help us, Lord, as a church, as brothers and and sisters in Christ to come alongside those who, Lord, are struggling with a liberty of conscience and wanting to do the right thing even though we may not disagree with them. God, you are working in their heart just like you're working in ours. And you want us to love one another regardless of the aisle that we stand in. Protect the unity, Lord, of Emmanuel Baptist Church. I pray for those teachers who are going through some difficult times these days as they anticipate this next school year and what they're being forced to do. God, you've got a plan. You've got a purpose. And you want them to shine for Christ. 
but help us, Lord, in our place of employment. Help us be grateful for our place of employment. And as we serve, may we always remember it's not for our earthly master, it's for our heavenly master. Jesus, you see it all. And I thank you for it. Lord, bless this time of invitation. Thank you for this time that we've had in your word. Use it in each of our lives. And we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?